on the corporate infrastructure. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dre Campbell, and this is Tell, a podcast where queer people tell queer stories. For the past five years, I've been hosting and curating a night of live storytelling at a queer bookstore in the city. And now I'm sharing those stories with the world. So if you need a dose of queer community or you just want to hear great stories told by the people who live them, strap on your headphones and bubble your bath. Because Tell is queering the narrative and telling our stories on our terms. Each episode of Tell centers around a theme. There's been misleading, being seen, and family roots, just to name a few. And this episode's theme is centering. We usually feature two stories that were recorded live, but this time I invited one of my favorite storytellers, writers, and all-around people down to the studio to talk about sex, theater, activism, and centering the disabled body. And of course, he's going to tell us a story because that's the whole deal here. You know, people are telling stories. Ryan J. Haddad is an actor, playwright, and autobiographical performer based in New York. His critically acclaimed solo play, Hi, Are You Single?, was featured in the public theaters under the Radar Festival and continues to tour the country. Ryan's also performed at Joe's Pub, La Mama, the Ars Nova Ant Fest, theater breaking through barriers, and on TV in the shows Bull, Madam Secretary, and the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. He's a member of the Public Theater's Emerging Writers Group and a former queer art performance and playwriting fellow under the mentorship of Mo Angelos. My interview with Ryan was recorded in March 2019, and we talk about sex in a pretty frank and direct way. So if there are kids in the room, you might end up having a pretty big discussion with them. Or you can just tell them to leave now. Dre Campbell. This is Ryan Haddad. Ryan J. Haddad. Ryan J. Haddad, who is an amazing actor, storyteller, performer, writer. Would you call yourself an activist? I don't go out on the street and do protests. I'll, right. I'll say that. Right. Um, partially because of accessibility and partially just because it's like I care about issues a lot. I'm not a, on the ground all the time or even half the time kind of person. Right. So I think that my work has political undertones mm -hmm. and certainly the like the centering of the disabled body mm -hmm. is a political act. Mm -hmm. And talking about our triumphs and challenges and all of those sorts of things is very political. And so in that way, I think of myself as an activist, certainly an activist for disabled representation in all fields of the entertainment industry. But I don't 
you know, go to marches and stuff because I don't feel even when the marches are like we have made accommodations for people with mobility devices and people in wheelchairs. Mm. The idea of a march is such the opposite of something I feel comfortable with. I think that there was one recently. It was like a sit down mm. at Grand Central Station mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to be radically inclusive toward people with disabilities. And that's wonderful. I didn't go, but I certainly saw that on social media. And I thought, oh, that's something I would be comfortable with. Do you see yourself as a spokesperson for disability community or queer community or queer disabled community or I think all the I think all the above but I certainly always say you know the stories I tell that is my experience my very specific individual experience and the gamut of disability there are so many different kinds right it's not just physical mental emotional right. Right. Uh, lots of things right. and to say that like I can speak for everyone is not correct even to say that I can speak for everyone with a physical disability or that I can speak for everyone with cerebral palsy like the spectrum of cerebral palsy alone is mm. such a giant like vast place of varying types of how it manifests for right. people so I like to be very specific about my experience and then hope that someone can see something within their own story whether or not they are disabled love that yeah, yeah i found that disabled people feel represented by my work and also people of other communities that are often underrepresented have come up to me and said i know that my experience is not the same but because of x or y at a recent performance a trans person came up to me and my show is not about the trans experience right. like at all right and yet your show hi are you single hi are you single okay. yes you know, I have several, but that's the one I that I do that's like around. Super popular. That's the one that everyone wants to pay for. <laughs> so I got <laughs> like that's the one bringing in the cash. And this individual said, I know that disability and the trans experience are not the same, but I felt very seen by your story today. And I didn't write toward that place, but that is what that person took away. And they felt included just because someone was telling a story about not quite fitting in in the queer world. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I saw a video where you talk about the queer community has this sort of thing where we're also marginalized, and then when a disabled person comes into that space, it's like you feel invisible inside of a marginalized community. It's like adding to the marginal, like... I agree, yeah. and I want to... You, you spoke well, much more eloquently. But I want to <laughs> clarify two things yeah. and that are probably a little different from what I said in that video. Yeah. One is that like I find specifically for me it's the gay male community that is so mm. othering. Mm. But in actual like queer spaces mm. that are radically inclusive of all different types of genders and sexualities and races and all those things, there is a bit more like welcome, hello, you belong. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't happen in specifically gay male spaces. And in Hire You Single, I'm specifically going into gay male right. bars, cis gay male bars and saying like, I want somebody to make out with me yeah. or I want to be very frank, I want to fuck, you yeah. know? Yeah. And that isn't happening. And the show is a whole examination of like why that is. Right. For me, it's specifically gay male spaces. And then I also think that 
again, I'm zooming in on the experience of somebody with a physical mobility difference, right. uh, physical disability. Right. Uh, but also, I think that's true of every person who is different. <laughs> it becomes a hierarchy. There's like a hierarchy of, mm. well, I have more power than you because X, Y, Z. And I am more desirable than you because of X, Y, Z. Uh, and so that is sort of what I try to dismantle in Higher You Single, but also what I continue to explore in all kinds of storytelling work that I do. I mean, my introduction to you as a really as a person performer was somebody posted this video of you around Pride, I think it was two years ago, and they just, I think it was Shane Shane, and he just wrote, get it, Ryan Hadeth. <laughs> and I watched it, and I was like, I love this guy. And it's you basically talking about being a sexual being, having desire, and I just loved it. And you, like, take your pants off. Oh, yeah, you see my orange underwear. Yeah, You're very charming and adorable <laughs> in it and sexy, I think. I found you, I watched the video many times, and one <laughs> thing that struck me was I think it's really hard to talk about being a sexual being knowing your parents are going to watch. Oh, for sure. I wonder, and you talk a lot about, like, fucking and, like, desire, and not only that, the added bonus of being a gay person and fucking yes. desire. So I want to know, like, how do you manage... That because I know you you seem close to I've heard you talk about your family. Oh yeah, you seem close to your family. How does that work? Well, I was trying <laughs> to decide. Whether, out there I was just trying to decide whether to say the word fucking right here on this podcast. <laughs> say it, honey. To go back for a second, the truth of like I wanted to go into those gay bars and get fucked, right, isn't accurate. Let's get accurate about it. <laughs> the oh. accurate thing is like I was looking for love and I was looking mm. for somebody to want to be with me, right, and I was waiting. I, like, wasn't fucking, actually. I wasn't, like, penetrating or being penetrated because I was waiting for somebody that was, like, going to care about me. I say that at the top of Hire You Single. Like, I'd like to wait for someone who is understanding and compassionate who can help me change positions and keep my balance. I'd like to wait until I'm dating someone, and I've never dated anyone, so it hasn't happened yet. Hmm. But hopefully sooner than later. That's so In, tender. Thank you. It was, you know, devised in the fall of 2014 and put into the opening of this solo play as far back as when it was my senior capstone at Ohio Wesleyan in March of 2015. And, you know, now I, like, go around the country and say those words, and those words are the truth, yeah. really. So it was never that, like, at the age of 21, I wanted to walk into therapy and industry and literally be fucked on the dance floor. Absurd. Right. Right. That wasn't <laughs> what I wanted. I wanted somebody to want me enough to build toward that. Right. And some people find that to be very antiquated, you know, and especially what, gay, a relationship? Gay, cis, yeah, gay, men. gay cis men are like, let's start let's with fucking and then maybe we can have dinner after. Yeah. And like, I'm like, what? <laughs> this doesn't seem, this doesn't add up for me. And maybe it's because of the way I was raised or maybe it's because of like my ideals of like watching family members wedding videos for, you know five times a day when I was three years old or w growing up Aww. on Brandy Cinderella you know I want love and like yeah. I want the fairy tale and um, so now to answer your question about like my family and my parents and sex and sex talking about sex openly in front of the world absolutely yeah. well I mean it's hard 
so, I don't know if I could do that. So, okay, I vividly remember this story, and it's just my parents for the opening of two performances. You know, the supportive extended family who like knew that I was gay and was okay with it that mm-hmm. I was gay came to the show you know Saturday night and your parents knew and my parents of course oh my parents were the out, f- yeah. they were the first people that I told at the age of 16 and um, so they've been miraculous from the beginning but they were all coming on Saturday night and then on Friday night it was just my mom and dad they were like we're scared like we, scared. we're scared <laughs> Because they knew that it was about sex and that there were stories in it that they have never heard. Mm-hmm. I talked to my parents about almost... So they ev- were bracing themselves to hear their Exactly. Child. So I did devise the opening, which is me with my pants down at my ankles, rubbing my crotch, talking to a man on FaceTime. I devised Great. that at La Mama and the Trinity La Mama program in the fall of 2014. And who happened to be there that weekend of the like Tim Miller storytelling showings in the middle of October, my oldest brother and his wife and like my friend who'd come was like watching my brother watch me do this sequence. And they like took it like troopers and they were very like adult about it and everything. And they were great. But then they went home and they were like, what is he doing over there in New York? Like, you guys, what is he doing? So then they told my middle brother. Wait, like it was like a little bit of a scandal? Like they went home and they're like, listen, he they was were like, rubbing he, his crotch yes, on stage. Oh, yes, okay. but they didn't talk like that to me, like right. to my they face. Like, oh, they very were like, good. It was great. Oh my they were like, let's, let's unpack this and talk a little bit about sex. And I thought, how great. Isn't that what you're supposed to talk with your brothers about? Sure. Um, but, you know, straight brothers versus... Not straight brothers. <laughs> um, so then they go home and they're like, "Yeah, he he really like goes for it, and it's, it's like it's a little too much for us." <gasps> so Bobby, who's my middle brother, was like afraid to go and see it, to go and see the full performance at Ohio Wesleyan. Part of the reason why my parents were alone on Friday night. <laughs> I'm watching them. Like I planned them in the third row. Because I talk to them, and I tell the audience, I'm talking about sex. Also, my parents are here, and then you have to unpack as an audience member. What does that mean? Like, what does that mean for me? And, like, could my parents watch me pretend to masturbate? What have you (laughs) done to all of us with your sexuality? Exactly. Wow. And so I knew where they were. And I was watching them the whole time. And every time that the audience would, like, erupt with laughter at a punchline, they would be, like, wiping tears away. Because they were, were so they moved. They, they were, were no, moved? they were very moved. They the were parents? very, my parents were deeply moved the entire time, I even when it's funny. Parents. They are the best. They really are. Because they were staying with my brother at his home in Columbus. And they said, if you don't show up to this tomorrow night, you're a fucking asshole. And so he showed up. And now. And that is how you be an ally and, and a parent. Yes. And years later, you know, 2018, I bring it home to Cleveland. This show at the Cleveland Playhouse, you know, America's first regional theater and the playhouse where I saw my first play. So the whole family is there, like church people. Everyone is literally like the Hadas plus have come out to see Ryan touch and did himself. did they know what they were getting? <laughs> <laughs> the Hadads came out to see Ryan touch himself. You know, himself. the show is way deeper than that. But I have of to course. begin with the shock value Let's, of like, right. I have to introduce the eroticism because if you don't see that first, you don't realize that like disabled people are capable of sex. Right. So I have to start with that. Um, my parents would hate to say, like, it's just a show about me There's touching myself. other thing where so many people think of gay people and all they think about is how 
do you have sex? So yeah. you have these two things crossing right. over where you're not supposed to be a sexual being and all you want to do is fuck. Exactly. <laughs> like somewhere in the middle. There's is... there's us. <laughs> Here we are. You and I, Yay. let's have our own talk show. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in the middle. <laughs> That's what it's called. Um, and at the Cleveland Playhouse, both brothers came, and Joe, who I'm giving a hard time because of that first. Imagine if it was just so he, Joe if it was just, it a second time. Joe did see the full performance, of okay. it, and he was so proud. He was crying in the same way that my parents had been crying, and like, like he got everyone it. was super proud. But also, also to be included is fools my, not to be are my <laughs> at the time 85 year old great aunt, 88 year old great uncle, and my 87 year old grandmother. Like my great aunt and uncle sat directly in front of the couch where I do the simulated masturbation scene at the top. Their son, my second cousin, but sort of uncle, pseudo-uncle Charlie, he went up to my mother and goes, how the fuck did my mother get in front of that couch? Because he knew that I was about to masturbate on the couch. So, but then he's like, they were like, why are they in the front row? Like, why are they in the front row? And my aunt goes, I want him to know that I'm here. I want him to know that I want him to see me. And I want him to know that I support him. Yes. And it was wonderful because I wasn't Mike. And they're older and they have trouble hearing, you know? So she was like cupping her ear at all the moments where she was having trouble hearing as my cue to like get a little louder. And she would smile at me and cup her ear. In what the middle of like tender moments, she's like, she would be like, did you say fucking? <laughs> did you say finger? Was that cock? Did you say Sorry, finger this my is asshole? Be a very foul episode of oh my god! Everybody? Tell, tell, tell! I'm telling. Not is this fun? Well, uh, let me ask you a couple other questions. All right. I guess there's going to be people listening who don't know who you are, who've never met you. Sure. Just give like a brief description of who you are just so people can visualize your gender pronoun is he and his he is yes he is my name is ryan j headed i am a five foot seven man with a physical disability i have cerebral palsy and i walk with a posterior or posture control walker and i am of middle eastern Descent. I'm third generation. I have hairy legs <laughs> because of my Lebanese heritage. <laughs> and uh, I also wear leg braces, AFO leg braces. And I am. What I, are AFOs? AFO leg braces are like plastic, casted, like formed to your body. Okay. Custom made leg braces for and your some lower of them legs. For my, yeah. Well, it goes, it's below the knee for me, but okay. it is. It goes up to like my calves. Does that make sense? No, it mm-hmm. doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Below the knee and calves. I didn't do it's well in biology the class. Low, I would say the lower half of your leg. Sure, the lower right? half of my Below leg. the knee. Amazing. And I would identify <laughs> um, as a cisgender male uh, gay disabled man. Okay. And actor, uh, playwright. And autobiographical solo performer slash storyteller. Any uh, dream roles? I'm going to give you like three or four. Tell me. Uh, I really want to play Tom Wingfield in The Glass Menagerie. And I know that that is... Interesting. Well, it's complicated because Laura is is disabled. disabled. And so I need to find the director who's like adventurous enough to do that production. I think so. Of the glass menagerie. But I want to do that role and I want to do it before I'm too old. I'm 
desperate to play the MC in Cabaret. Yes. Uh, <gasps> yes, I want to see it. That would I, be amazing. When I get a little older, I want to do either Alban or George in La Caja Faux. I would take either one. Mm -hmm. And Love it. I have to play the man in chair in The Drowsy Chaperone. I don't know that show. What's the character name? It's Man in Chair. He literally sits in an armchair, puts on an old record of a musical from like 1928, and it's called The Drowsy Chaperone. And he's just this musical theater guy. And it comes seen. alive in his like oh, tiny apartment. So you're kind of imagining. Yeah. And sort of, are you narrating? Yes. Okay. You've been on a couple TV shows. Mm -hmm. Kimmy, The Unbreakable. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt Kimmy was Schmidt. the first one. I had no lines, but I was paid at scale. And Madam Secretary? Madam Secretary, I had one line and it was cut. And then all I said was, shh. But like, it's on IMDb and I was in the credits. Right. But it's also, you start to form these relationships That's right. with these folks. That's and right. Like that. And then, and then Bull other, was oh, the Bull other TV see. show. There is another <laughs> series. I'm not going to name. Okay. It's already shot. It's okay. done. It will be is it released. Is it one of the big franchises? No. Oh, okay. Um, it's, but it's new, okay. and I am a recurring guest star. Ooh! And I... Congratulations! It is really sexy, and certainly is the biggest of my television credits, and probably the biggest, most high-profile thing that I've done in my career. Like, it hasn't come out on deadline that I'm in it, and I don't know if it will, because I'm just a recurring guest star. And, Yay, it, you know, it was, a, it was a character in which he was written to have cerebral palsy, and, like... That has nothing to do with his arc. And do you feel good about that? That it's Yes. Yeah. Certain times you read a, a role that's written to be disabled and you're like, oh, they didn't really get it right, but like I want the job and yeah. I need the paycheck. Yeah. And no, I'm like, okay. I, but I read this yeah. and I was like, Oh, I was I have to play this part. Okay. This is okay. Mm -hmm. I and totally I, understand. And I just knew it's a yeah. really great role, and I wish I could say more right now. Yay, um, congratulations. Oh, that's amazing. Thank I guess. you. I'm really excited. The other thing is you just did the Guthrie Theater. Yes, I did four performances of Hire You Single there. Wow, it was a very interesting time. I was not well physically. Right. I'd gotten sick, but the audience didn't know you the difference. Through. And I powered through, and they got me all kinds of stuff. And Did you have a long rest afterwards? I did. I actually, like cleared my schedule for the whole week when I got back and just like stayed in my apartment. But it is truly the most magical place on earth. It's like Disneyland for theater. The most gorgeous, oh God, gorgeous, really? gorgeous venues. And you know, you will know this as somebody who like puts up their own stuff in New York. Selling tickets is like the bane of our existence. It's like you have promoting, you have to do that. it, but self-promoting and being like, please buy these tickets so that I can pay my collaborators and God forbid pay myself is like the hardest thing to do. Honey, honey. I don't know anybody in Minneapolis like like maybe That's doing that. maybe three somehow they filled that 200 seat theater four times. <gasps> they did it. That I didn't have to do amazing. anything. I just showed up. Can you imagine a time like? No one actors didn't have to used to have to like they just got booked in shows. They they didn't have to, to be make like their own stuff. Right. They had to go like maybe do an interview here and there, but not like we're like on Instagram and like social media and sending out emails and like doing all this stuff. It's yeah. It's a lot of things. Yeah. Yay, Ryan had Ryan J had I corrected the J, but I have to say, even as far back as when I first did your storytelling night at the BGSQD, I was listening to it on the way here because trying I not to say decide. J? No, it, well, I don't think I told you to say oh. the J, but I was like, 
she was like the first person on earth to say my last name correctly. Haddad. And you keep saying it correctly. And I'm just like. Because I always remember you told me how it should be said. And I'm like, he. It's the way that deserves. I say it. It's the way that I say it. And it's the way that my family has said it since Yusuf Haddad came over and became Joe Haddad, you know, on Ellis Island. It's Am like, I still saying it right? Haddad. You are Haddad. Yeah. Haddad. I said the like Lebanese way in order to be like, it changed. Interesting. For my family. When the Oscar arrives, I want my name. I don't know if that Oscar's going to be for acting, but it's going to be for something, honey. Agreed. It's coming. Maybe for, like, best short film. Just remember, like, shorter, shorter thank film. you, Dre and Tell. I will, of course. <laughs> well, look, you're in the script of Dark Disabled Stories. Okay. You have a couple stories, mm-hmm. and I want you to share them. Uh, let's take a little break. Welcome back to Tell. I'm your host, Dre Campbell, and I have Ryan J. Haddad here in the studio. Other New York credits include My Straighties, Noor and Hattie Go to Hogwarts, and regional credits include The Maids, Lucy Thurber's Orpheus in the Berkshires, Williamtown Theater Festival, and Hi, Are You Single has been at the Cleveland Playhouse, Williamstown Theater Festival, and I'm going to just turn it over to you to tell two stories, which I'm very excited to hear. Let me start with something very serious. The time I peed my pants in public. Well, well one of the times. <laughs> Now, I live in New York, and and so do you. And it was a Saturday in January, early afternoon. That evening was to be my 26th birthday party, a belated birthday party. I was throwing myself. How fun. When I told my gay Uncle Charlie I was throwing myself a birthday party, he asked, what are you serving your guests? And I said, oh, no, that's not how millennial birthday parties work in New York. Here you just invite your friends to meet you at a bar so they can hug you and pay for your drinks, but you don't pay for anyone else's. Food or drink? Absolutely not. But first, that afternoon, I was in an East Village restaurant for a business meeting, the Smith on 3rd Avenue. Do you know the one I'm talking about? And an arts presenter from a major university was offering me a fuck ton of money to do one of my solo plays. Not this one that I'm reading from right now, but a different (laughs) one. And, uh, I mean, it was more money than I'd ever been offered to do anything in my life. Way more money than I'm making doing this recording absolutely (laughs) so he offers me all this money and in fact he says you know i can double what you're asking for and i'm just like feeling on top of the world and almost immediately after that i pee myself now i usually blame my limited bladder control on cerebral palsy but that's not fair to other people with cerebral palsy Because while it could have been due to my cerebral palsy, it might also have been the two cups of tea I had at IHOP for breakfast or the tea I had at Think Coffee between IHOP and the business meeting or the iced tea I was having here at the Smith during the business meeting, all without ever having gone to the bathroom. And when 
I get the urge to go to the bathroom during the business meeting. I think I can't possibly ask this handsome gentleman to help me to go to the bathroom in these tight quarters. How on earth will he take me seriously if he sees me as a disabled person who needs help getting to the bathroom? Even though, of course, he's offering me money to do an autobiographical show about being disabled. I can't let him see that I'm disabled, so I'll just pee on my own time. I won't ask him to walk me 10 feet to the bathroom that is clearly visible to me. Instead, I'll just go outside and walk a few blocks so he can't see me, and then I'll dip into another restaurant and ask to use their bathroom. They can't say no. I'm disabled. So I kiss this handsome daddy goodbye. He was a young daddy. I like that. And <laughs> the moment I step one foot out the door into the cold, just fuck me sideways, okay? Forget about walking a few blocks. My urine situation has become a national emergency. So I start running, truly running, which is in itself is funny because it's me and I'm running. And I find a restaurant like two doors down and I say, please, please, I have no intention of buying anything at all. Just please let me use your bathroom. And the wonderful hostess said, absolutely no problem. We can even let you use the accessible restroom on this floor. Wow. I mean, thank God I was going to make it. It was all going to be okay. So I dash to the bathroom. I park the walker. I grab the door handle and it's locked. Someone else mm -mm. is using no. the single no. stall bathroom. No. Now, fortunately, I'm standing behind a little partition so that the people eating in the restaurant can't see me because I am grabbing myself. I mean, grabbing myself in a terribly inappropriate way. And I'm trying to think erotic thoughts just so that maybe the pee can be replaced by semen. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. So, And then I hear the toilet flush. I hear the water running from the sink. I hear the dryer drying the person's hands and I think okay it's my turn everything will be fine and I barrel past this man as he comes out of the bathroom I lock the door I throw off my purse yes I carry a purse and I get to the toilet <laughs> but my pants are still up and here's the problem my glasses start to fall off my face oh my god my glasses are going to fall into this toilet oh my god do I do I pull down my pants and pee on my glasses? Or do I save my glasses and just let a little bit of tinkle dribble out of my penis into my underwear? So I rescue my glasses and I reach for the button of my jeans, but my body is tightening and spasming and I can't undo the button and I'm screaming and crying and moaning like, why did I do this to myself? I'm 26 years old. I'm 27 now, but I was 26 years old and the little dribble of pee turns into a flood and it goes all the way down my leg. Not both, just one leg. Finally, I undo my pants, and the remaining three-quarters of the liquid goes out of me into the toilet. You know, sometimes I just pee a little dot up here at the top before I get the pants down, and especially in the winter, I can usually cover it with a cardigan or something like that so nobody will see, but this time I have really done it. The pee went all the way down one leg, and the wetness is so dark, so dark, that it is impossible not to notice. I step out of the bathroom and I realize that I happen to be 
in the brightest, most well-lit restaurant in the East Village. <laughs> okay. And I keep my head down and I move to the door, trying to be invisible. And outside, the clouds have parted. The sun has come out today, not tomorrow. And Annie is standing on the corner of 12th Street, just belting her little orphan head off. <laughs> I'm convinced that everyone is staring. <laughs> Everyone can see that one pant leg is 50 shades darker than the other. I mean, seriously. When I tell you that it's all the way down my leg, I mean to say that my pants were so wet, if you were stranded in a desert, completely dehydrated and on the brink of death, you could survive one more day by just, like, suckling the urine off of my jeans. <laughs> One day I'm walking home from the grocery store, and, you know, sometimes I have it delivered because I live in New York, and they will do that for you, they deliver your groceries. But other times I, you know, carry my stuff as long as I have, like, one or two bags, and one goes on one side of my walker, and the other goes on the other side of my walker. So I'm walking in my neighborhood to my apartment, and this sweet older woman comes up to me and says, it's so nice to see you today, neighbor. And I said, oh, I feel the same. It's so nice to see you. And then she says, you know, I used to be a nurse. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, wh where do you go to rehab? I, 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 I don't. I don't. I don't go to rehab. This, this is it. Okay, this, this is it. I, it's, it's called cerebral palsy. It happens when you're born. When you come to be about 10 or 11 years old, maybe 12 or 13, you kind of level out, and that's where you are, unless there's some sort of huge medical advancement. And even then, if one does happen to appear and there's a cure, then, then you have to think about, do I, do I want that to happen? Do I want that cure? I mean, maybe I would, but CP by definition is brain damage caused by oxygen deprivation to the brain. So in order to fix it, they would have to go into my brain and fix my brain. And I like my brain, so I'm not sure if I want them to fuck with my brain or, or my nerves, for that matter. And she keeps repeating, you should go to rehab. You should go to rehab. And I'm going, no, no, I don't. This is not Amy Winehouse, okay? <laughs> Rest in peace. Rest, rest in peace. I was just trying to buy some asparagus, neighbor. Would you like some asparagus? Okay, and then sometimes I go home to Cleveland to visit my family, my nieces and nephews and the gay haunts of my past. And the summer before I turned 26 and got knocked off my parents' health insurance, I went to their primary care doctor for my general checkup. My mom wanted to go in with me. but said, no, mom, I'm an adult. I'm very independent. Thank you for paying for my health care. <laughs> so I went in by myself, and in walks this new doctor I have never met before. And it was as though I was Glinda the Good Witch, you know, something magical or mesmerizing, because his jaw just dropped on the floor, and he said, oh, my God, you have cerebral palsy. Uh-huh. How, how's my blood pressure? <laughs> How's that going? Is that uh, the numbers okay? What are you doing about your cerebral palsy? <laughs> Nothing. I'm not. I'm not doing anything. I, I live in New York. I, well, I live. I mean, I mean, I live part time in New York. I say because I'm still on my parents' health insurance, and I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, 
And he says, you have to do something. You should be going to see a therapist. And I say, yes, I definitely could use a therapist for my mental and emotional health. And he said, no, I mean a physical therapist. <laughs> oh, no. I, no, a physical therapist just wants to, like, you know, fix me. And there's, there's nothing really to fix. I'm pretty fabulous. Now, now, I did want to, at this general checkup, possibly ask him for an HIV test. I get tested every few months in New York. Usually at the LGBT Center, they have free testing, you know, but it's different than having a blood test. And I thought, while I'm here, I might as well. But he was so interested in the CP. And he says, are you seeing a neurologist? Who is your neurologist? I said, well, I've, I saw a neurologist when I was three, but... I'm not three anymore, so no, I'm not <laughs> I not seeing a neurologist. Truly, I mean, he's just fixated as though I have never heard of CP in my life. And he happens to be a veteran of the military. I mean, he's very sexy. In another circumstance, I would have been very, very interested. And he says, okay, what about, if not a therapist, how about a, a, a physical trainer? Have you ever thought of going to a trainer who specializes in people with disabilities? And I said, well, that sounds... Fascinating to me because you know I'm an actor and I have some rolls here on my stomach. I would love to tighten my abs. I don't I actually, I don't actually have abs, but I would love to tighten them and maybe you know like make them, make them exist. Love to make them exist. <laughs> well, he said if you're ever back in Cleveland for a longer period of time. I would be happy to set you up with my buddy from the military. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Fuck, yes, please, any time. Please, like, what a dream. Rock hard trainer, all my fantasies, right? <laughs> and he goes, and she's really sexy, mm -hmm. so you were going to have a great time. Like, girl. So I didn't ask for the HIV test. <laughs> I didn't ask. <laughs> I didn't think it was the right time or place. <laughs> uh, also, my parents told me that if I had asked for it, that it wouldn't have been covered under, like, general checkup. Isn't that insane? Isn't it? It's also insane that he did not know ahead of time anything about you. Anything. And that you walked in, and he's like, oh. You have, like, glitter. Oh, my. Is your walker bedazzled? Like, dear God. You have cerebral palsy. Ryan, I love you. Thank you for doing this. I love you, too. Thank you for having me on and, Tell. Uh, my pleasure, as always. I just want to say I'm happy for all of your success, and I'm sure you will continue to. I, I mean, it's happening for you. We're just like a couple of musical theater queens <laughs> who like to talk and sing and go on rants. And if you ever get a chance to hang out with Ryan, I highly recommend it. He's a blast. You can learn more about Ryan at www.ryanjhadad.com and follow him on Soch at ryanjhadad. So thank you. Thank you for tuning in. And queer folks, just remember, if you don't tell your story, someone else will. So go out there and tell queer stories. Doo -doo -doo. 
Tell is created, hosted, and produced by me, Dre Campbell, and co-produced by Mariel Reyes. The stories are recorded live on location at the Bureau of General Services Queer Division, a pop-and-pop bookshop and event space in the LGBTQ Center in Manhattan. Go say hi to Greg and Donnie who run BGSQD and tell them we sent you. The Tell Podcast is recorded at Brick House in downtown Brooklyn by Onel Moulet and is edited by Kyrell Palmer. Our theme song was written and recorded by Drake Campbell and Peter Letra. Emily Bogosian is the captain, and Sasha Mathias is the bigger boat. Remember to follow us on Spotify, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google us on Google Play, and slide into our DMs at TellQueers, or DreBiz on Instagram and Twitter. That's Queers and Biz with a Z. Tell is part of the Brick Radio family. For more information on this and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org slash radio.